Hi, I'm Alex. I'm Amy. And this is Small Town Not Small Minds. Welcome back, everybody, to season four. Woo. We have... woo, woo, woo. Let's start with our favorite question. Hey, Amy, what's up? Alex, I was thinking about this. I've been so fortunate to spend time with my niece, Odea, and how everyone has decidedly chosen how they want to be called in the family. And because obviously with different culture groups mixed in, we have, you know, a yee, a yaya, a papa. And I went with my classic Auntie Amy, but my dad, in fact, settled on choosing to be called Granddaddy. And now my mom often refers to our dad to us as Daddy. And we always like correct her all the time. It's so uncomfortable. Yeah, I just crack up a little bit. So do they like know? What do you mean? Like, are they, is playing, is it a bit of a joke or it's just, she, my mom, my granddaddy. Yeah. My mom will actually, well, it all started because he originally went with granddad and I was like, he's, that's so formal. And that's very unlike my dad. I, I don't see my dad. He's more of a grandpa, but then in his mind, like nobody says grandpa in his world. So he settled on granddaddy, which is. (laughs) <laughs> i don't I wasn't know wasn't expecting that i know i thought he was gonna go with like pp or something when you were like <laughs> it's a funny name i was like <laughs> feel free to call him anytime you stop by our house uh refer to him as granddaddy you're like shaking your head no nah. <laughs> Pass. no for me <laughs> all right alex what's up with you well after 13 years of owning my jeep liberty black i'm upgrading to a red Jeep Liberty. Woo! Woo! So it was time for a new vehicle. I don't want a new vehicle, so I'm actually buying my mom's old Jeep. So when you see me kicking around driving in Stettler, I will be driving a red Jeep now. So be alert. You know what? Enjoy the anonymous life. Because remember how we talked about this before, is that people identify you with your vehicle. No one's going to know you a Jeep, unless they're listening. And now... They'll know, but you'll yeah. have like a new sense of anonymous rolling through the highways and streets of Stetler. Enjoy it while it lasts. I love because I had told Amy to prior, I was like, I'm going to miss my black Jeep. And she's like, don't worry, we will get you a Harry Potter decal for this yeah. new car. <laughs> it's all about the car decals, people. Yeah, exactly. wisely well we're so excited i mean we're back in the same province together here in alberta although we're still cities apart which makes us still a couple hours apart but you know we're all used to driving in this spread out province that i'm sure will be better connected now that we're back in the old prairie lands but i'm excited good stuff (laughs) stop the podcast we have some advertising. So Amy, can you tell us about your advertising? 
Yeah, this is my second lease. I've been living in Boulevard at the end of Beltline, right across from BMO Center. And if you're interested, we'd love to have you here at Boulevard. The building is starting to fill up, but I do have a promotional discount if you are curious and you want to come see the building. If you do end up signing a lease, I can get you $500 off your first month's rent, which is a awesome draw to check out the building even and just make that choice for you. Yeah, come check it out. You get a pool, you get an apartment, you've got a golf simulator. It's right downtown. Feel free to ask me more in our DMs. So Amy's is really good. My advertisement, and I quote my friend Nick, who's been on the pod multiple times, is not a sleigh. (laughs) It's what he said. (laughs) So I love online surveys. I spend a lot of time on my phone and I love giving my opinion. So I have this app called Adipole. And you can do all kinds of things. Like I was rating country music the other day, which obviously I rated it very poorly. All kinds of stuff. I did a survey on these like Timbits products for Halloween. And now I see they're like being advertised at Tim Hortons. So I enjoy giving my opinion. Now, if you sign up on Adipole and you use my code, we both get a bonus, which is not great. It's 50 cents, which Nick says is not a sleigh. (laughs) But if you use my code, I also get 10% of any survey that you do. So if you do the same, you would get 10% from other people. So my code is all lowercase. It's O-A-C-W-D. I know it doesn't sound like a sleigh, but it's fun. But you're here for the pay. I'm here for the pay, you know? <laughs> and I've actually like, I mean, I do a lot of surveys and I've made almost $300 since I've started. I'm super impressed, Alex. That's I know. So I love doing it. I usually get them in Amazon gift cards. You can get it like in gift cards or like straight to your account and stuff, but That's $300. I don't, I don't know how many surveys that would be, but you can tell me later. But this oh, is- it's a, it's a few. <laughs> <laughs> I just do a couple a day and then you're like, whatever. Oh, good for you. money. Yeah, a little side hustle. (laughs) Well, stay tuned for another interruption of the podcast where we tell you more great wins. I'm excited this season that we're kind of turning it around. We get to do a lot more one-on-one with each other. So as Amy said, the structure of our some of our episodes are going to change a bit. So we have a few guests lined up for this season, but otherwise it's just going to be Amy and I, and we'll each bring a topic, um, something we're passionate about, something new we learned about, and we're just going to bring our ideas, opinions, and what we've learned to the table. So loved this idea and immediately had a topic because uh, a friend of mine had shared a podcast with this new term that I hadn't heard of called heteropessimism. I shared the podcast with Amy too, and she listened and it's called Overthink. It was a great podcast. Um, And so I was like, what the heck is heteropessimism? It was coined in 2019 by Asa Saracen. And uh, this is the definition that they have. It's performative disaffiliations with heterosexuality. So some examples are, um, they say like often straight women will exhibit heteropessimism in statements like, why are all the good men always gay? Or when a woman is like tired with dating, they'll like confide in a queer person and be like, oh, well, I'm just switching sides. It's got to be so much easier. I'm going to start dating women. And so those are some examples of what heteropessimism might sound like. I think like even when I first heard the term through you, Alex, I was like, 
what? Like, okay, I get it. But the more I dived in, I was like, I have been guilty of this. I myself have hetero-pessimized my past in experience to downplaying maybe what really needs to be said in the moment. And I know even now, like now that I, you know, have dove in a little more about researching about hetero-pessimism, I thought like it still, it does happen quite a bit where people are often like, oh, I wish I was gay because then I wouldn't be such a tragedy of dating kind of thing or mm -hmm. whatever. Not not to take away from the experience of modern dating for queer people too. It's not easy. Yes. That is where like, I feel like for me, when I hear those phrases as a queer person, it rubs me the wrong way a little bit in that like queer relationships have a lot of the same struggles. Modern dating is hard for anybody. Yeah. And not only do we have a lot of struggles in dating, but then you have the added layer of being queer and there's a lot of things, feelings that go along with that. As heteropessimism started kind of morphing and more people like were researching this word and, and bringing it to light, Sarah Ahmed had said heteropessimism, though it comes out kind of in a way that's maybe uncomfortable saying that like, oh, I'm switching sides or whatever. What it really is, is highlighting how dating for women and like it's highlighting how the relationship, women are just carrying the weight of it a lot. And I feel like now that we see representation of a lot more queer relationships in movies, even like people that you know, you see like, oh, okay, like my relationship doesn't need to be structured the way that I always thought it needs to be like parenting, housework. If you mm -hmm. think of that, like I think of that with a woman for me, I'm like, oh my gosh, we're going to easily share the workload. And I feel like heteropessimism has morphed into saying like, hey, we have enough on our plate and we've had enough with the way that our relationships are being structured and we want a different way. So what we're really saying is that we can learn from the gays, right? Rather, yes. rather so, because I do think that's the thing, the strength of homosexual relationships or relationships that aren't based on gender norms, right? Because you can look at them and instead of saying like, oh, that's a, you know, a blue job or a pink job, a lot of the times you're having those discussions as a partnership and deciding like whose strengths and weaknesses work best for this role to help execute that. But I agree, like, I think about it. And I think when you're saying like women often in that research that they presented in overthink podcast was like heterosexual women who were extremely frustrated. And I think that's like the reality of it. I think there are a lot of women out there who are extremely frustrated and it brings up those expectations of a woman in a relationship, because that was something else that was presented as well in a study that was saying like, unmarried women without kids are better off than males who are married and with kids they're like happier in those situations mm -hmm. and I'm like and that just shows how much work we still have to do with this right I wish I remembered the exact stat but it said a married hetero couple mm -hmm. once they're married the woman's responsibilities double mm -hmm. whereas the men's actually lessons like yeah. they have less workload once they have a partner whereas the woman's 
is like doubling in amount of things because she not only is taking care of herself now and working and all of this. And I'm not saying that no man ever helps in the kitchen or this and that, but that's exactly the thing. Why are they helping in the kitchen? Help cleaning. Mm -mm, You are cleaning. You are cooking. You are looking after the kids. You are not helping your wife do those things. You have the responsibility to do those things as well. You are a parent. You are an adult. You need to do those things. But the workload is very uneven in a lot of heterosexual couples. And so I don't want to take away from the initial part of heteropessimism where like, I think the learning part is if you're having those frustrations, maybe not bringing them out in in a way that feels like you are erasing the queer experience or like you can you can just be like, hey, I want this relationship to look different instead of making it seem like it almost like it's like my fault that like you are not like, queer. Or I'm sorry. Like, yeah. How blessed you are or like how fortunate you are. It's like you have your own struggles too in that world, approaching those concepts and issues as well. Like I said, I think it's like a cautionary of how you're saying it. Like what's actually the root problem here? Mm-hmm. Like really unpack and say, you know, I'm not enjoying dating unaccountable men. You know, Mm -hmm. say that. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And we'd all be like, yes. (laughs) Yeah, because I think the thing is, is like, yeah, like you said, we said, like, we can all identify like dating is pretty challenging as is. Yeah, it takes away from people's experience. And also, like, I do think of the foundations of like that queer people have had to make in Alberta in the world and everything. So it takes away from like the work that's still being done out there to accept this minority group that exists and so yeah it kind of takes away being like oh aren't you blessed and like also like there's so much internal struggle as well with like you know they might have had a traumatic experience coming out I think knowing and surrounding yourself with other people's queer experiences you have a better understanding too to be like uh yeah it's it's not that easy but like I think it highlights because it's usually I wouldn't say that they're saying that about male loving male relationships, or maybe they are. I can't think of examples, but the podcast was saying it was for both female and for male, like same sex relationships. Oh, interesting. I can't think right now. I would say in my case, it's been like a lot of females who were just like, kind of would just be nice to like have another female to like help just raise my child with me. And I was like, yes, like that's, you could say that even, right? Like, What if we bought a house together? Not like women loving women, but like I get a lot of like, it would be nice just to have the partnership of another female as a partner. But not to clarify, it's mainly heterosexual females, like straight females expressing the pessimism. And they use examples from either like same sex female or same sex male examples. And like, I've thought about this for years with even gay weddings I have never been to one wait a second gay weddings are just weddings yes but I'm just saying okay yeah fair fair. but but the one thing I appreciate at a queer wedding is that they don't follow any rules they get to take their favorite parts and it normalizes other people to do that for weddings as well so I think Mm -hmm. in relationships we kind of need to reinvent the whole you know, what is your 
what do you want out of this? What are your expectations as an individual? I think once we see like models that are different from the like story that we've been told, then we can start to say like, hey, like that different, I kind of want. Totally. It's just, it's hard when you're faced with it too, where you still, you still are faced with it. And sometimes like the traditions of family, or maybe your partner is a lot more traditional than you. And you're like, oh my gosh, like that, finding that balance between Mm -hmm. individual to individual. I think there's one thing that's glaringly obvious and men need to pick it up. Been saying it for years, people. (laughs) (laughs) This segues well into the topic I wanted to bring today because we were talking about like love and like discovery of like expectations and you'll see the segue hopefully, but I was thinking. Yeah, so far I don't, but give me a topic. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to segue into it with my topic is about how tech is changing our behaviors. Now there's tons of research out there. I mean, we go to seminars about tech related, but I wanted to like make the um, connection through headphones. I think I get so many people who say to me, oh, I'm done with the apps. I would just love to meet someone the old fashioned way. What's the Mm -hmm. old fashioned way? Going out, bumping into them and having a conversation. But Mm -hmm. headphones on, just the simple technology of AirPods or even wired in. It's like when I see people with headphones, I'm not like trying to have a conversation with them. Like that's the universal for me now to know like that person does not want to be spoken to. I'm just going to like carry on my merry way because I'm a talker. I'll talk to anyone. So I think about it all the time. And so when I'm actually like in a traveling situation, I will not wear my headphones in certain areas where I'm exploring because I want to interact with locals or people or other travelers. So I like intentionally won't wear them you know, it's hard to meet people in a very organic way of just bumping in and stumbling upon conversation because people are so zoned out in different ways. What do you, do you wear headphones, Alex? I don't even know on a regular basis. Uh, yeah, I do often when I like, but I often listen to audiobooks when I go for a walk or to the gym and things like that. But I guess that's not really my socialization time. Yeah. Like if I'm going for a walk or I'm going to the gym, that's my like me time. And so then I have my headphones. I think it's just, it changes how we meet people and how we connect with people. And like, I don't even like even wearing them when I'm at a checkout. And even if the sound is off, I just think it's like, nobody knows then. And when that checkout person is talking to you and they're like, I think it's important to still interact. So I like intentionally will take them out and like put them away and then interact with them, even though that's just like a customer relationship there. But I think that's super important. But hit me with what you're going to tell me about tech and behavior. Sure. So like um, when you were talking about technology and how it changes the way we act and things like that, I was thinking about how like, I think right now you can ask anyone, how has technology changed your life? And you can like give an opinion on, on things you see and do. But I think it's incredible how much it's changed in such nuanced ways. So this one thing about streaming. So music, we used to, I mean, we used to buy CDs, then we like, we would buy it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But streaming has changed the way that we consume music. Not only that, it's drastically changed the way artists create music. And it's something that I've, 
I didn't notice until I like looked into this, but the way artists create music today is completely different than 10 to 20 years ago because of Spotify. And it just, I find it so interesting. So it was saying like artists get paid now for song listens. So maybe you've noticed that songs are so much shorter now. And that's because if I put out an album with 10 songs, I just get paid for everyone to listen to that 10 songs. If I put an album out with 20 songs, I'm going to get paid double because I have 20 songs. Even if it's the same amount of runtime, I get paid double because I have a bunch of two minute songs. So that's like artists now make short songs. There's no more instrumental solos because now it takes up too much time. No one's going to listen to your instrumental solo. You're not getting paid for that. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, like we are just speeding up the way not only like TikTok and things like that are speeding up the way we consume things. Like everyone is saying like, oh, my attention span is so short, but we're also being delivered things in that short way. We're being delivered music in two minute clips. Yeah. So That's I just think, I know it's fascinating to me because I didn't even really think about it or notice it until we started playing like name that tune. And you you know, you're like listening to these throwback songs and they're like four minutes, five minutes long. And you're like, when will this song end? Yeah. And now, because like, you're just not used to sitting through a five minute song anymore. Totally. It makes me think too, like, I wonder if that's similar with streaming of movies as well. Like, is it yes. per watches? Because then if that's the case, people are going to produce more show based than they would movies, right? That's another thing as well. We've have we have way more shows. But once again, it is it is going to be about like the viewer count. Interesting. Um, I don't know as much about that, but basically Netflix completely changed the way we're creating TV shows and movies as well. I know that there were some, actually the artist we interviewed before, Tiffany, I met her this summer in person mm -hmm. and she was actually in like works of boycotting Netflix because they were, she was worried, like there's been a lot of artists complaint that they, they don't get as much share as Netflix does. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Like, and she was saying, yeah, it's very challenging for artists now. And I wonder like on the pay scale side of things, like you're right, like it, maybe it's that they have to adapt to this new way of delivery model versus designing how they would normally. And mm. some of them have figured it out and some of them maybe haven't, but. Well, that's what like I find so interesting because you think like, okay, a singer is going to just, you know, be moved by the muses and write what they want to write. But now they're like confined to selling on streaming. So it's like, okay, maybe I, I have all this stuff to say and it fills a five minute song. That's not going to sell. That's really um, interesting. I like yeah. that. Like, I yeah. You did bring up another good point too, is the attention span. I find mm -hmm. that transforms so much of our ability to focus on things. Like one thing I notice about myself and I've always been a fairly focused person. I don't know, maybe not in the last couple of years, but um, okay. I get my phone and I pick it up. And when I pick it up, I actually totally blank on what I have to do because I'm like, can't remember because then you get so easily distracted by like Duolingo and then a text message. And then you have a notification on Instagram and like all of these things that I have to like pull away. And I was like, why, what, what was I doing again? Like my attention is just distorted than mm -hmm. maybe it was 
14 years ago kind of thing. So it makes me think about the kids, like the students are young people coming up and how much it's transformed them in ways of behavior as well. I find like, so what I find interesting in that is like when you were saying like, and I have this notification and I have this like apps again, they are driven by like sales and they want us to go onto their app. So they're sending us the notifications and they once again are changing our behavior yeah. because we want that like instant gratification. And I was looking into this thing called like gamification Yes. And how a huge example of that was how like for Uber drivers, Uber has created like basically a game for the drivers where like if you're just about to log out, say you you drive everyone every day and you always like call the shift at six o'clock, you're going to go home. Uber's going to pick up on that. And at six o'clock, it'll send you a notification that says like, if you drive for one more hour today, we'll give you 10% extra on, on your drives for the next hour. And then you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to do this next hour. And it keeps you playing, but you're not playing, you're driving. I just found this so fascinating. So the Financial Times actually made this game where you as an individual can like pretend to be an Uber driver and it'll, that'll happen. You like, it'll be, you'll drive, you'll pick your hours for the day and then you'll get a notification. That's like, if you drive for three more hours, you'll get a $20 bonus or something like that. And so it keeps you wanting to play, but at the expense of, okay, maybe you have a family to go to, like, how long have you been working today? All that kind of stuff. But this is an extreme example of that, but I feel like Instagram does that too. When you're getting all these notifications, so-and-so liked this. Like I had commented on a post recently and on my lock screen, someone else commented on the same post, not tagging me, has nothing to do with me. And it's just like, so-and-so also commented on this post. And it's just like a gimmick for me to get in, like log on to Instagram again. Yeah. Our lives are just being gamified. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And like that, those incentives, those little hooks that keep pulling you in, it's like, they don't stop. Even when you change, like, that's so interesting too, because I have all my settings on mute so that I can focus. And I'm shocked even through those setting changes that I still get certain notifications. And I'm like, I don't need to know this. I don't actually give a shit. Like, stop. It takes a lot of work to undo some of this. Like people were like, are you still alive oh, on social media? And I like intentionally stepped away at the end of summer. Like even now I'm not as active on it. And I know people have reached out being like, are you dead? And I was like, okay, like dramatic, but like, no, I just totally changed how I'm showing up on social media. Like I'm embarrassed to say like my phone, like I I'm constantly on it to the point where like, I actually had my own mother put parental controls on my phone. So like I can only access like Instagram, TikTok and stuff for an hour a day because I was wasting so much time on it. And even I could put my own like set your limits, right? But all you have to do is say like, it's like you've been on for an hour today. You're like, great. I want to be on for more. So now I'm like locked out because I don't know the passcode. Only my mom does. Yeah. So when I use up my hour, I'm done for the day. Good for you, honestly. Like to no, set well, that. Good for me, but not like I like. I couldn't have the self control to just stop. Like I just enjoy spending the time on my phone. So now I'm just like cut me off. 
I think it's important though. Like I do like the positive. There's great technology use that like benefits our lives. For example, you all know I'm obsessed with my step counts and my tracking my sleep data. Like I live for it. That I know is like a gamification for me as well. Absolutely it is. But I love it. I love the data and it's like connected to like health and well-being. So I enjoy that kind of stat data and it keeps me motivated as well. But like did I live and survive without it before? Totally. And I think that's the thing we kind of forget. It's like, do you actually need all of this? Or is it a time waster? Or like, where does it actually fit to benefit? Mm-hmm. I think it's important to maybe like sit and analyze for yourself. Like, what are the things that I actually need? Versus like, everyone's on it. So I'll just go on it. Or like, it's mm-hmm. time to go here. So I'll just go here kind of thing. Like, we're not all sheep, you know? Exactly. I think this conversation could like lead us into a whole evening of conversation because technology, it's staying with us. It's here. But I think the more critical side of it is to ask how it's benefiting you. Where is it showing up in your life and your relationships? And is that a positive or a negative thing? I just think about like, I'm huge when I'm with people. I don't want them to be on their phone. And I'm not on my phone. And so Mm -hmm. like, that's still kind of like something I even like say, I caught myself today, even with a friend just being like, oh, I'll just wait till you're done your text to like continue what we were talking about. And I didn't mean to mean it in a rude way. It was just because I know Mm -hmm. I didn't have that person's undivided attention. And I also want to respect that they have other people in their life they need to chat with. But that was our time together. And and so they were really good. They're like, oh yeah, thanks. And then they finished up and they're like, yeah, tell me the rest of the story, you know? I think it's just like, we we have to learn to live with it. And we teach our students that all the time, right? Like, yeah. is this a positive, right? It's sometimes a very destructive thing I've heard in high schools because they can't, they can't take it from the kid, right? Yeah. That they're just sitting there on their phone the whole time they're in class. It's like, well, that's a whole different argument. Then I'm like, work with them then. And I understand that that's difficult, but like, yeah, these kids have grown up with technology and it's different than how we grew up, but this is the life that we live in. Yeah. So we need to harness that and, and use it as a tool. See, I'm, that's what's working. I agree. I think you have to figure out a way that best connects with them to still make it relevant, but also set boundaries where it's like, okay, you can't use it for this, right? Like mm-hmm. certain things. Cause like, that's the other complaint I've gotten to from adults being like, I get students like right out of high school coming to work for my landscaping company and like they don't know how to put their phone down. And I have, I've had to fire a few because they literally can't show up the way I need them to. And so these are a reality of things, like especially hands on jobs, right? Mm. So, so, but that might be not their field, right? So these conversations, yeah, I hope that they stir some inspiration in our listeners. Like a fire. Yeah. If you like want to continue the conversation or you know more than us and want to enlighten us because we love learning, like please hop on our Instagram at small town, not small minds and like share the conversation. Give us more info. Give us your input because we want to keep hearing from all of you. Yeah. Or disagree and tell us why. I love when people can give me another alternative. So I hate that. So make sure Amy sees that (laughs) because I'm really defensive. (laughs) So if you want to agree with me and (laughs) say nice things, message me. Jar of questions. All right. Jar of question. Okay, Alex, I think you wordsmith this one better. Can you say it for me again? 
Okay. If you had to switch lives for a day, what would you be the most and least excited to do as me? Okay. As you, I would be the most excited to chill in your awesome house, like have a cup of tea, browse the books, read, and just like sit on the deck or chill inside. Probably the deck more. You have a great deck. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> and then I would also love to teach grade three just for like a day, maybe just half a day. Like it would be fun. I think <laughs> there's a lot of energy in a grade three classroom. Um, I would least like to have this undying urge to get up and eat something. I would not live for that because I would wake me up and I'm a person that like, if I'm woken up, I'm up you know, it's already made a decision. So that's the thing I would least like. And if you don't know this about Alex, she has to have like a first breakfast sometimes. And sometimes it's just actually like a couple bites of an apple that lives by her desk or her Mm -hmm. side table. So yeah, that's funny. You brought that up last night. So my brother, I've known him my entire life, doesn't know this apple thing about me. Last night, I'm going to bed and I grab an apple and he's like, why are you eating an apple before bed? And I'm like, I don't eat it before bed. I wake up in the middle of the night and then I eat it. And he was like, well, that's even weirder. I was like, how did you not know this about me? You're like, it's a stabilizing thing for my blood sugar. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, okay. You for me. So if, I mean, I would be, have so much fun to be you for the day, Amy. Like, I feel like you just have this kind of like magnetism with people. And I would my dream day doesn't involve going to work. I don't know why you're doing a half day in my life, um, but it's a weekend when I'm I'm in your life. And I just want to socialize with everybody. I want some sort of event and I want to meet everybody and talk to them. I just want this for one day because I will be very exhausted by it. But one day I'm like, mm, yeah, I want to meet so many people, all of your friends and just socialize and talk and talk and talk. Um, Love that. I think it'd be so fun. I know. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, And I also want to spend some time by your pool. It's summer, by the way, when I spend one day in your life. Fair. And I am not looking forward to working at all. I am scared of junior high and high school kids. And it would be terrible. Like they would know. They would know immediately that it wasn't you and it was me inside of your body. Everyone else would be like, oh, Amy, so good to see you. And like your students would be like, it's not you. (laughs) <laughs> they probably they would pick up on that real fast. They'd be like, what's wrong with you today, Miss Smith? And you'd be like, during that light, like, <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta go. Yeah. Run. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Well, I guess we'll turn it to our audience. If mm-hmm. you switch, should we make them switch lives with us? Yeah. Spend a day okay. as Alex, spend a day as Amy, and let yeah. us know. Yes. If you could spend a day as one of us, what would you be most excited? and least excited to do. Tell us. This podcast is edited by myself, Avery Severs, and music is mixed by Moons Over Mars. 